Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shh, Jack. I'm just kind of getting... Okay, so let me start with some preliminary stuff. Um, so good morning, everyone. Good morning. Everybody awake? I'm awake. So a uh, couple things. If you... You know, we've been talking about Easter coming and just that we want to make it a huge celebration. And, and um, so what we have is, a you know, one of the things we do every year is a huge Easter egg hunt. And so we're asking you to make, take, buy some plastic eggs, fill them with candy, bring them to the church over the next, you know, week or so. You know, next Sunday, the following Sunday, we're going to have this huge Easter egg hunt for the kids. If you need plastic Easter eggs, right out, right out by the... The welcome table is we have some bags of plaster Easter eggs. Take a bag if you need it, um, if you need some eggs, and just fill them and bring them back. And, uh, and just, well, just want to encourage you to really be praying and anticipating a great um, next couple weeks. We're, we're excited about what, what's going to take place here at Branches over the next couple weeks. We have a lot, a lot of stuff happening and going on. And so Good Friday services. Obviously, Friday at 6 p.m. Sunday morning service. You know, part of our um, kind of our, our challenge for the year was to to build relationships with somebody in your community who is in you know within your neighborhood or your workplace that you don't you don't know where they sit with Jesus. And and my hope is that some of us have been doing that. You've been you've been building some relationships, creating some friendships, um, and this would be a great time to say, "Hey, it's Easter. I go to church on Easter." And invite them to church. Might be an opportunity for them to, to hear about Jesus, to meet Jesus, and we will definitely put it out there. So, so we just want to um, encourage you to be thinking about, can I invite somebody on Sun, Easter Sunday morning? People get up and go to church on Easter Sunday morning. It's, it's not, that's the least oddest time to ask somebody to go to church. It's just kind of a given. Yeah, you get up, you get dressed up, you go to church. So let's just, I want to be encouraging you today and then next week again, just be thinking about who can you invite to come and worship with us. Um, that, that morning we'll have a light breakfast, so, you know, some, some fruit, some muffins, that sort of thing. We have a photo booth, so if you, you know, you could get a family photo, and, uh, and then the Easter egg hunt will, will be at the end of the service. And it's just going to be, a, like David said, it's a celebration of the hope of, of, of what we have as, as followers of Jesus. You know, during this, um, the last song, that I see your face, you're beautiful, I was just sitting there, and I, as we were kind of singing that and repeating that, I was, I was just, I asked Jesus, I just was kind of like, I want to see your face. And the face I saw was the, was the, um, the face on the cross that we've seen of, of Jesus with the, with the crown on his head and the blood coming down. And the look in Jesus's eyes that I saw was just a look of love. It was a look of saying, I've done this for you. I'm, I've died for you so that you can be free. And so I, I just feel like maybe God was saying to me that, that just in this place today, we carry in a lot of stuff. We, we have a lot of junk, that baggage that we're hanging on to. And, and God's saying, you don't, have to, you don't have to hang on to that. We've believed a lot of lies about who we think we are, and it's not who God says we are. We don't have to believe those lies. And, and I just want to encourage you that if you've walked into, walked, if you walked into this place, which a lot of us have, and you just have junk in your life, that you don't have to walk out of here with that junk. You can, you can leave it here, let God take care of it, and give it to him, and, and get, let him give you a new name, a new identity, 
And so just as, as we process through some scripture today, I just want to encourage you that if, if you already know, yeah, man, I got stuff that I don't like carrying, but I just keep carrying it, leave it here today. Don't, don't, don't walk out of here with it, okay? So here's what we're going to do over the next, you know, between now and through Easter, is we're going we're gonna to look at the things that Jesus said as he prepared and as he went to the cross. And so today we're going to look at a statement that Jesus said it to his disciples, um, during the Good Friday service, we're going to look at the, the seven statements that Jesus said on the cross. You know, while, while Jesus was hanging on the cross, there were seven phrases, seven things that Jesus said. We're going to, we're going to look at those during the Good Friday service. And then on Easter, we're going, to, we're going to look at what Jesus said after he defeated death and had victory over the grave. And so I'm, I'm excited about that. So, so if you have your Bible, you could turn to, chap, to Luke, the book of Luke chapter 9, and, and we get this red letter thing, just, just, just in case maybe somebody doesn't understand, if you have a Bible and on the end it says red letter edition, there's four books in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the first chapter of Acts where Jesus spoke. It's, it's, a, it's, it's the story of Jesus' life, and anywhere he spoke, it's in red. Maybe you didn't know that. So, so we have these red letter edition Bibles, and if you, if you have that kind of Bible, anywhere Jesus spoke was in red. And so Jesus said stuff, and it was recorded, and it was put in, in red, and that's where we get this red letter Easter idea coming from. So here's the setup that I want to I start off with as we, as I, we introduce the, the, the saying, the, the thing that Jesus said to us today is, is I want to ask, have you ever seen one of those movies where it's a bank scene, and as the people are in the bank preparing to make deposits and do their banking, a robber runs in, and he has a mask on his face, and he says, everybody on the ground. You've seen these movies, right? And everybody hits the ground, right? And in the, in the scene, there always is that one guy who's the hero. And so while he's laying there, he's reaching for the gun that he's got stuffed in his, in his ankle, you know, sock, or he's instantly come up with this perfect plan of how to foil the robber. And so the scene plays out and the guy jumps up and he takes down the robber and he's the hero. Now, now, has anybody ever processed that and thought, you know, if I was ever in that kind of situation, I would be the hero. Anybody ever thought, you know, if there was ever a situation where there was a robbery or something, I'm going to be the guy who's going to step up and take the guy down and save, save the world. Save the situation. Guys, anybody ever processed that and thought that, honestly? Yeah. I think, I think we all kind of thought, yeah, I'll be the hero. Well, here's the thing. Most of us may never have the opportunity to put that to the test. I did. I had the opportunity 18 years ago to put my resolve that I'd be the hero to the test. And what happened was my wife and I were, it was a Wednesday night. We had been to youth. We were, you know, youth workers at a church. There was these couple girls that Joe was discipling. So we, we went to this little Mexican restaurant that we loved to go to. They had the best burritos. It's Southern California, so you just have to understand. It was the best burritos without, you know, question. And it was in like this little shopping center. The shopping center was like a kind of an L shape, and the, and the restaurant was tucked in the very corner of the shopping center. And in the L, there was a, a gap that led to the back of the building. And so we're sitting there, and it's all glass front, and I'm, we're sitting there eating a burrito, and I have a, a view right out the window, and I see two guys just approaching through the glass. 
really fast. And they have hoodies on. And as they come through the door, I notice they have masks on. They're both carrying guns. And they, you know, rush up to the cash register screaming, you know, open the cash register. And they're just yelling demands and everything. And it's time for me now to kick into what I believed I will do whenever I'm in this situation. And so I did. I dove underneath the table and started praying. I was freaked out. And I realized at that moment that when called upon to be the hero, I don't have it in me. I, I'm all about self-preservation. I left my wife and two... I think Joe might have been pregnant with our oldest, Morgan, because Morgan turns 18, or she was close or something. She was pregnant. She was pregnant with Morgan. So my pregnant wife, two or three teenage girls... Somebody might have cussed as they were diving under the table. I'm not going to say out of fear. My prayer was, God, get me out of this situation. If you get me out of this situation, you can send me to the remotest parts of the world and I will serve you. And I ended up in Warsaw. (laughs) In California, Indiana is the remotest part of the world. If you, you know, we thought you guys have a movie called Hoosiers and a racetrack. The Colts aren't even yours. You stole them, you know, years ago. I love Warsaw. I'm not complaining. But, but in that situation, I, the truth of who I was, would I die for my wife in that situation? I would say, yeah, I'll die for you, honey. But the truth in that situation was I'm going to preserve myself. And you know what happens? They, they, they cleared the cash register. They shot their gun into the back wall to, you know, everybody freaked out and they ran out the back door. And half the people in the restaurant got up and left and just got in their cars and went home. The rest of us sat around and did the police reporting. And as a result, they gave us a free burrito. You know, a coupon for a free burrito. We want a burrito. <laughs> so, so that was my situation. My test, am I going to pass if, if called upon to be the hero? Now, now, let's just take that another step. What if in that same scenario, the gunman came in and they said, Anyone who's a Christian, renounce Jesus or we're going to shoot you right now. What would you do? Now, I think our knee jerk is, I'm not going to renounce Jesus. I'm, I, will, I will die for my faith. That's our, that's our like instant reaction, right? But would we really? Would you really die because of your faith and your belief and your, your commitment to follow Jesus? I heard this story of this... Um, in a country where Christianity was, was, was Christians were being persecuted. And, and it was a, a country that, you know, they, if you were a Christian, you're, you had a target on your back. And there was a, a, a group of Christians that met together in a secret spot, and they were going to have a worship service. And right as they were getting ready to start the worship service, two armed men in police uniforms walked in, and they had, like, machine guns, and they were ready to go, and they said, we're going to give anybody a chance to renounce your faith, and by doing that, you, you can get up and leave right now. All the rest, you will die. And they're holding the guns. And out of that, a couple people got up and left. And they, they said, I'm not going to die. And they got up and left, and the rest stayed there and decided that they were, their resolve was, I will die because I believe in Jesus. And at that point, the armed men took their mask off, they laid their guns down and they said, now that everybody who, 
who is not strong in their faith has left, let's worship. And it was a test of them to clear out if there were spies in the room, if there was, if there was danger in the room. And so they cl- were able to clear them out. And then the armed men were Christians and they, they went into worship service. What would you do in that situation? Would you stay or would you leave? Would you be willing to die because you're a follower of Jesus? One more, one more step in this little scenario. As a follower of Jesus, are you willing to lose your job? Are you willing to lose your family? Are you willing to lose your home? Are you willing to lose your, your identity? Who you are in this, in this community? Can you answer that question with a yes? Because here's the statement that Jesus said to us. He said, Take up your cross daily and follow me. So when he said that, he's telling us to be willing to die, to live, to be humiliated for his sake. And the word that I love in that verse is the word daily. You know, Luke, Luke writes the word daily. Matthew doesn't use the word daily. He, he omits that word. But when you look it up, in the, it's, it says daily in all translations. It says daily. Take up your cross daily and follow me. And this is the red letter phrase that we're going to look at today. So look at Luke chapter 9, verses 21 through 25. And let's just see where Jesus, where this comes from, okay? So verse 21 says this, Jesus warned his disciples not to tell anyone who he was. The Son of Man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed but on the third day he will raise from the dead. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you are yourself lost or destroyed? And here's the setup. Jesus knew that his time was coming close. He knew he was heading to the cross. And he knew that he was handing off what he'd been doing here on earth to his disciples and to his followers. But he's setting them up and saying, to be a follower of me is not a walk in the park. It's, it's going to be painful. This is an uplifting message, isn't it? And so he's preparing his disciples for this. Now, here, here's the thing. In our culture, when we think of the cross, what do we think of? We think of a gold or silver piece of jewelry we hang around our neck, right? Or, or we think of a church, that churches have crosses. And, and, for, and for a lot of us, we'll think of that a cross is it's, it's the place of salvation. It's a place where Jesus died. When Jesus was talking to the people of his times, they knew exactly what he was talking about when he was talking about the cross. The cross was an instrument of the most inhumane, cruelest, and humiliating way for people to be executed. Crucifixion was reserved for the foulest of the criminals, and a person who was going to be crucified would have been beaten. They would have been forced to carry the cross bar, cross member of the, of the cross, on their back through the streets up to the place where they'd be crucified. In, in most of our pictures of, of crucifixion, we see people wearing a loincloth, but this was really um, reserved for public humiliation. So in most cases, they were naked. 
They'd be nailed at their feet in order that they'd be locked into the bottom of the cross and tied at their arms, or if the executioner really wanted to impose cruelty, they would then nail them at, through the wrists. This was not something that was pretty. They would hang there, and at times they would hang there for days. And that depended on, on the conditions of the, of the environment. It depended on the strength of the person hanging there, whether they can sustain however long they could sustain. If, if, the, if the executioner or the soldier wanted to speed up the process, they would take a club and break the legs of the person, and that would cause them not to be able to push themselves up, and then they would die of asphyxia. As, as they would suffocate. <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to be able to say I had to look how to spell that word up. I don't even know why I put it in there, because I, I knew I wouldn't be able to say it. But you get the picture that it was this extremely painful and cruel way of execution. There's this Roman orator. He was a writer, a speaker named Cicero. He lived about 63 years before this time. And here's how he described the crucifixion. He says it's a most cruel and disgusting punishment. To bind a, Ro- to bind a Roman citizen is a crime. To flog him is an abomination. To kill him is almost an act of murder. But to crucify him, and he says, what? There is no fitting words that can possibly describe so horrible a deed. You get the picture? This was not a pretty thing. This was not something that was glamorous. This was cruel, humiliating, stripping the person completely of their entire identity and putting them on display as they were being killed. And Jesus knew that he was about to face this kind of death. And his disciples knew exactly what the crucifixion was. There was no confusion. And Jesus said, hey, if you guys want to follow me, take up your cross daily. So what's Jesus saying when he says this? He's saying, is he saying that we actually need to die physically? In some cases, we we can say, yeah, we can see that the disciples died. But I think what he's saying is that we need to be willing to give up everything that we are to gain him. We need to be willing to lose comforts of life for his sake. We need to be willing to be humiliated or just to walk in humility for his sake. And so every day that we live our lives, here's the thing. With humility, verse 23 says, to turn from our selfish ways. So we need, to, we need to say, can I walk in humility to not be selfish, to be others forward, to be looking in, out for the needs of others and serving others because that's what Jesus came to do. He's saying we need to release. In verse 24, he says we need to give up our lives. We need to release what we think is, is important to us, but it's for the sake of gaining eternity. And he says that we need to evaluate, we need to recognize in verse 24, 25, that if hanging on to the life that we have right now, what seems to be important to us right now, is so valuable to lose eternity with him. And we need to evaluate and say we need to give up our life so we don't lose ourselves, but that we can gain what he has for us. A few years ago, I was in Greece, and I was, um, 
I was teamed up with a group of Iranian Christians, and so I think I might have, you might have heard some of the story, but we, we were there to do some teaching and talk about the attributes of God. And every night for about four hours, I sat in a room with about 20 Iranian Christians, and they, they were all, you know, raised in, the, in, in Iran, um, raised in Muslim culture, and at some point in their life, for various reasons, they met Jesus, and at because of, of the culture they lived in, they were persecuted, and they had to flee, flee Iran, and they, came, they ended up in Greece, and they were refugees, basically. And so we, I was there, and I spent a week with these 20 or so Iranian Christians, and I went to teach them, and it was the, it was the worst trip I'd ever taken, taken as like a mission trip, but it was the most impactful trip because of the stories I heard sitting in that room. There was one specific guy that I think about, he was a single man, and when he became a Christian, he lost everything. He lost his job. He lost his, his family. His family kicked him out. He lost the, a place to live, and he was on the run in Iran. At one point, him and his buddies were trying to cross this lake, and when they got to the other end of the lake, there were soldiers waiting for them, and they beat them in to, and beat them to death. And he, he lived through it. The next morning, he woke up. Somebody came and, and nursed him back to health, and at that point, he was able to escape and go to get to Greece, where he was living, um, you know, healthy and safe. And what impacted me about this guy is during the week that we were there, there was this chatter going on amongst the group about him. He was getting ready to smuggle, get smuggled back into Iran because he felt like God was saying, you need to get back in there, share my love with as many people as you can before you get killed. I mean, this is serious, right? This guy was expecting that his life was coming to an end for the sake of following Jesus. He had taken the idea of taking up his cross literal, and he was going back into Iran with the mission to share his, Jesus with as many people as he can, fully expecting that at any point he was going to get nabbed up and he would be executed. Are we willing to do that? We live in, we, we're comfortable. It's, it would, in our mind, we'd say, yeah, if I was in that situation, I would do it. But I'm not, so I don't have to. But are we willing to take up our cross daily and follow him? Jesus lays it out in, in, um, later on in chapter 9. And let's just look at what the cost of following Jesus is. Chapter 9, verse 57. It says this, as, Jesus, as they were walking, so Jesus included, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head. He said to another person, come follow me. And the man agreed. But he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. And Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. And then another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first let me go say goodbye to my family. And Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So here's three people that approach Jesus and they're proclaiming, they're saying, I'm going to follow you to the ends of the world. And Jesus, knowing the heart and the situation of each person, has a reply for them that I think we can, we can grab some thoughts out of to apply to our lives this morning. So here's the first person. Got some tape on me. How many of you saw that tape this whole time going, Tom's got something on him? Back up. The first person, here's, here's the point in the first person. 
that taking up your cross cannot be based on an emotional or idealistic decision. And here's what I mean by that. Here's a guy who potentially has been following Jesus around, seeing all the cool stuff Jesus was doing. You know, Jesus healed people on the spot. People got up and picked up their mat and walked. People who couldn't see that everybody knew they couldn't see were able to see. People who were dead walked out of the grave. That'd be pretty cool, and it'd be pretty convincing to say, I'm going to follow that guy. I want to I be a part of what he's doing. And so this first guy just says, hey, I'm going to follow you. And, and potentially out of this emotional high, this excitement for what he'd been seeing Jesus do. And Jesus explains, if you're going to follow me, you're going to not have anything. The comforts of life, are you willing to give those things up for following me? And so if we're going to follow Jesus, potentially, do, are we going to be called upon to give up some comforts of life? And are we willing to do that? And we, again, we might say, just kind of as a knee-jerk reaction, yes, I will. But if we evaluate our lives in, this, in the times we've had opportunity to give something up for the sake of, of the cross, have you? So it's not something, a decision to be made in an emotional state as just, a, as just a, an excitement thing. But this is a cost that you may have to give up some comforts of life. The second person Jesus says is that when we take up our cross, it cannot be a casual, whenever you fit, it fits your time kind of a matter. That, yeah, I'll do it one day when I get to this. And so the second guy wants to follow Jesus. He says, but Jesus, I will follow you, but let me go bury my father first. And it can sound like Jesus is being a bit cruel, can it? Like, let, him bury, let them bury themselves. You've got to come follow me. It sounds cruel, but if, here's, the, here's the idea that maybe in that culture, dad wasn't dead yet. And here, here's why I think that. If dad was dead already, the man wouldn't have been following Jesus around at that time. He would have been tending to his father. So in that culture, it was, it was the idea that the, the son was, was responsible to take care of the aging parents until they died. I heard this story of this, of this businessman tra- traveling in, in a culture like this, in an Arab culture, and he needed a translator, and he was going to be in country for a few months. So he found this young man who spoke English and, and could translate for him, and he offered him a job and said, hey, let me, let me hire you for the few months. I'll pay all your expenses. You travel with me, and you be my translator. And the young man said, I, I, I can't. I need to go bury my father. And, and the, the, the businessman you know, said, oh, I'm really sorry for your loss. And the young man said, well, my father's not dead yet. And, and so the picture here is that, is that because of a responsibility that you might have to something that, that culturally or whatever, you'll say, God, I will follow you as soon as I take care of this situation. For, that, for that, the man in the Bible, it could have been several years before his father passed and he took care of that. And then Kim says, I'll take care of Jesus. I'll follow you, Jesus. I've often said that for Joe and I, that when we get older and we, you know, time to retire and pass off, you know, what's happening here at Branches, I'd like to go like land myself in, in China or Thailand or somewhere and, and, you know, kind of be a retired missionary type person. But I have to do that after my parents die because I can't, I can't do it now because they just moved like a block up the street from me. And it's like, I'm not leaving until they die. So Jesus, I'll go to the ends of the world after my parents die. 
My parents are sitting in the back right now in case nobody knows this. And so following Jesus is not on our terms or our time. It's not like, yeah, Jesus, I'll follow you, but let me first go do this other stuff that I kind of want to accomplish in my life. When you, when, when you meet Jesus, the time to follow him is right now. The time to take up your cross and serve him is right now. And the stuff that, that we think is important in our life that we need to fulfill first needs to be thrown to the side. So this is what he's saying to the second person. And then to the third person, here's the point that he's saying to them. He's saying that taking up your cross cannot be a phase in life that you put behind you someday. It's not, it's not something that, that you, you do for a while and say, I'll try this out, and then if it doesn't work, I'll fall back on what I have already going for me. It's not something that says, that, you know, he says if, once you put your hand to the plow, you don't look back. It's not like, God, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to keep all this stuff ready for me in case this, this thing doesn't work out for me. It's an all or nothing proposition. It's, a, I'm going to follow you. I'm taking up my cross daily, and I'm following you. And everything else is, is no longer important. I found, you know, in, in our traveling in, with missions and taking teams, here's what I found about missionaries today. Missionaries today buy a two-way ticket when they buy a ticket to go to a foreign field. And I always thought that was interesting because we've listened to, like, the, give me some of the names we listened to from the 1800s and even, you're blank right now, huh? Yeah, George Mueller, some of these uh, missionaries that went to remote parts of the world, um, they went on a boat that took them four months to get to, the, to India or something from England. They, they left everybody behind, behind, never expecting that they would ever return and see their family members again. It was like, I'm going to live for Jesus Goodbye, everybody. Here I go. But today, missionaries buy a two-way ticket, and they have this, this game plan to fall back on, and just in case serving God doesn't work out. And that, that always kind of bothered me a little bit, like, wow, we have, we have kind of a, 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 another plan. And don't we do that as Christians? Don't we say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to follow you as long as I don't have to give up my comforts. Yeah, I'll take up my cross because, you know, I could put it around my neck and it, it looks nice and it accents the shirt I'm wearing. As long as I don't have to move, as long as I don't have to shift jobs, as long as I don't have to give up some relationships I like, I'll follow you. God, I'll follow you when I accomplish my education, when my career gets rolling enough that my family's stable, when I get married when I bury my parents, God, I'll follow you, but I'm going to keep this kind of in the background because if, if I'm not comfortable with what's going on, I've got something, a game plan to fall back on. And Jesus said, no, if you're going to follow me, you've got to be willing to give all this up and daily do this. So here's kind of an idea for the daily because I think that's important and I think that that word is significant to us because here's what happens. We come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I want salvation because I want, I don't want to spend eternity separated from you. I want to be in relationship with you for eternity. And so we give our lives to Jesus through a prayer or through a situation. And, and picture yourself, if yourself, because this is real in this picture, if you're, you're a million dollar, one million dollar bill, 
It'd be a big bill because it's a million dollars. And you come to Jesus and you say, Jesus, here's my life. And you lay that million dollar bill on the table and say, I'm giving you my life. Here's what I believe Jesus is saying here. He would say, I want you to take your life, that million dollar bill, and I want you to go to the bank and I want you to cash it in for a million dollars worth of quarters. And I want you to carry those quarters home and set them on the table. And every day I want you to take a handful of those quarters and put them in in your pocket. And then as you go out into the world, I'm going to spend you one quarter at a time every single day of your life as, as you follow me. And so I want you to be ready because in, in life, I'm going to bring people your way that you're going to need to serve. That you, It's going to be times for you to be humble. It's going to be time for you to give up something. And you, you're going to need to pull a quarter of your life out and give that to me for my kingdom. And I think that's what Jesus is telling us in this when he says daily that every day we need to wake up and be willing to say, God, spend me however you want. Everything else is, is second seat to me serving you, to me following you. Everything. If I have to be uncomfortable today, make me uncomfortable. If I have to be humiliated today for your kingdom, make, make me, let me be humiliated. If I have to, if I have to be humble, if I, have to, if I have to give up, if I have to say no, spend me. I'm a quarter for you today. I'm a handful of quarters for you today. And I think that's what Jesus is saying when he says, take up your cross daily and follow me. So here's, here's kind of some practical tips for us to evaluate as we leave here today. Here's the things I, I think you could ask yourself. Ask yourself, are you willing to follow Jesus if it means leaving some of your close, losing some of your closest friends? Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means alienation from your family? I think I was talking to somebody just last week, and they, they said to me, you know, this, this Christian stuff, it's my family, it's not for them. But for that person, they were saying it was for them. And they, they, you know, even though the family wasn't there with them, they knew that doing what they were doing with Jesus was, was important, even though their, their family was like, eh, it's not for us. We're not, we're not behind you on that. Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means the loss of your reputation, losing your job? Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means losing your life? And are you willing to follow Jesus and let God spend you however he wants to daily? Are these questions that you can honestly answer yes to? Because to follow Jesus, it costs us something. But we gain everything by doing so. Would you stand with me? The way we wrap up here is, is we wrap up with a song of worship and then we, we have an opportunity for, for us to, to engage with God with whatever we're dealing with personally in our life. And so the way we call this ministry time and the way we do that is if, if you want somebody to pray with you, somebody to be with you in a, in, a, in a part of your life maybe that you just need to give to God, during the last song, as a song wraps up, There'll be people standing up here in the front. You could just walk down here, and there'll be somebody here to, to meet you and just to, just to ask God to join you with whatever you're doing, whatever situation of life you're in. So like I said at the beginning of this, of this time, if, if you walked in here with some sort of carrying something that you know God doesn't want you to be carrying, that this time is the time to lay that down. And so during this this time you can walk up here and somebody will be up here to pray with you and to encourage you, to just love you. And ultimately what they'll do is ask God 
to enter in and, and join with whatever you're, you're bringing and to remove that or to give you comfort or to give you whatever it is you need because, because we, we, we get a lot of junk laid on us in this world and we were never created to have that. We are created to have freedom and to walk in harmony and relationship with Jesus, intimacy that basically the, the devil wants to strip that from us. And he wants, to, he wants to keep us from, from enjoying that relationship with God. So, so I would just encourage you, don't, don't leave here if you, have, if you just need somebody to, to agree with you, to pray with you. Just come on up here. There'll be people that will, will be prepared and, and are anticipating um, meeting you. So, so let me pray. Father, we just, uh, as we enter into this season and uh, look forward to the celebration of your victory on the cross for us. God, we, we, I, I think that each one of us in here really desire to live for you. I think we really desire to take up our cross daily. But God, we are selfish people. We are people that are comfortable. We are people that want to make sure that we're taken care of first. And so I think, Lord, that I just need to pray that you would, you would break that in me. God, that in our hearts you would, you would reveal the truth of where we're sitting. God, reveal the truth of would we be really willing to die for you? Can we really take up our cross every day? God, you could do that in each one of our hearts right now, Lord. And Father, as you're speaking to each person, um, would you give them the, the, just the boldness to be real and honest with themselves about just how they live for you? Lord, it's, it's our desire that you are not part of our lives, but you are our lives. And so, God, we just ask that you would work in this. You'd be talking to us, speaking to us, encouraging us, challenging us. God, and I pray that each person would, would be receptive to that and willing to make adjustments for your sake. Lord, as we enter into, into Easter, God, would you start bringing people our way that we would know is, uh, are the people that we're to invite to share your love with. God, would you even right now be giving people pictures and, and names? Just as, as, as we're praying, God, would you, you just give somebody a name of a person that they work with or a name of a neighbor that they, they should go and invite to Easter Sunday service? A picture, a face. God, as, as you do that, my prayer is that we'll be faithful to walk that out and to... Uh, to just invite those, those neighbors and those friends to come hear about your love. And Lord, we'll be faithful to share that with, with everyone that we come in contact with. Father, I pray that you've been honored today, that our worship has glorified you. And we love you in Jesus' name, amen.